Wanna rock and roll all night. Wait, no, wait. That's that's later. We'll do that later. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me as, well, almost always, is my good friend Walker Howell. And today we have a, uh, one of our good friends, Brady Holiday, joining us today. Uh, Brady, if you want, wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick to those at home. Yeah, uh, my name is Brady Holiday. I'm from Durant, Oklahoma. It's pretty far away from where we're at right now. Uh, I'm a Bible major here at Freed Hardman and very excited to talk about this topic here today. Yes, and we're very glad to have you on. We've been looking forward to this episode for a while now. We've had to reschedule it a few times just due to conflicts within each one of our three schedules, but uh, we're glad to be here now. And like Brady said, we're very excited for this topic. We're going to be talking about demons, and this is the final episode of season three where we've been looking at doctrinal topics, doctrinal issues. Uh, and you may be wondering, well, how is demons a doctrinal issue? You know, this doesn't seem like something that would be controversial. It doesn't seem like there's, this would be something that could divide a church. And, and I would disagree slightly because there are some, still, some people out there still who believe in demon possession. Uh, and there's some people who believe that demons can no longer possess people. And there are people who believe that you can cast out demons now. You can perform exorcisms now. And there are some people who don't believe that. And so we, what we want to do is, as always, we want to push aside all of our opinions, all of our biases, and just look at what the scripture says on this topic. Um, and this is a topic that a lot of people, you know, maybe not think about as much as they do some of the other things that we've talked about in this season. Um, but it's still an important topic because it's, we see this happening a lot with the life of Jesus. We see it happen some of the apostles. And, you know, the question is raised, do we need to talk about it today? Is there any value in talking about demons today? Do we have demons today? And so those are some of the things that we want to get into in this episode. But before we can do that, we first have to answer the question, what are demons? And I'll open the floor up for either one of you to answer that. You know, demons are um, really servants of Satan. Um, in the Gospels, you know, demons would possess people and they would give them supernatural abilities and oftentimes would cause great harm to their host. I, we were talking before the show, and um, we compared uh, demons to like a parasite on an animal, uh, something that gets attached to an animal that's not supposed to be there that can cause harm to the animal, and so, or to even humans as well. There can be parasites on humans and stuff like that. So just think about like a tick that feeds off of you um, or whatever. That That is an example of a demon. Um, although ticks uh, can cause great harms, although they typically don't, but they can cause great harm. Uh, demons uh, do that same thing as well. They cause great harm to their host, and they cause people to do things that typically they would not do. Um, or wouldn't be able to do. Or wouldn't be able to do, right. And so there's uh, a few examples in Scripture about demons and the powers that they had during uh, biblical times. And so we're going to look at a few of those examples today. And so is there anything else that we want to add at this point before we move on and look at Mark chapter 5? Uh, the way I see demons is like, like God has his angels <clears throat> and Satan is the person above hell. And so I see how like Satan wants to be like God. So he has his demons like God has his angels. Mm -hmm. And so we have to see demons as something that Satan can send to cause harm to pull Christians away. Right. Right. That's a good point, Brady. You know, like we said, demons are kind of s the servants of Satan, right? Uh, you, you compare them to how God uses angels in the, in the scriptures. And I think that's a very good comparison. 
Um, of course, God would send angels to minister to people, to care for people, or to deliver messages to people, very important messages, such as the one that uh, Gabriel gave to Mary when she found out that she was going to have the Son of God. Um, demons did some very similar things. They would uh, come in and they would uh, wreck, wreck, just wreck the person. Right? They would, uh, there's one account in Scripture where I believe uh, a small child was possessed with the demon and the demon was constantly trying to throw him in the fire or trying to drown him. Uh, and so just causing great stress on that family. Uh, but one of the examples that we wanted to actually go in and read was from Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes to a country known as the Gerasenes. He, he travels across the Sea of Galilee on a boat and gets to the country of the Gerasenes. And we look, when we look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat... Immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, or a demon. He lived among the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I'm going to stop there for a second. So we see here Jesus, he comes to this, this country of the Gerasenes, and immediately there's this, this demon-possessed guy there. And we, we find out from Mark's account that this man had incredible strength, enough strength to rip chains in half, uh, to break apart shackles. We also hear that he would be crying out, that he would be screaming in the tombs, which is kind of a terrifying thing to think about, to hear someone t you know, crying from a graveyard. Uh, but also he would be cutting himself with stone. And so that goes back to the, the self-harm aspect that we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, verse six, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Stop there again. So we see a few more things here in this passage that are going to be very important for us to, to talk about in the rest of the episode. Number one, we see, at least in this instance, this man had multiple demons. All right? It wasn't just one. It was a legion. It was, it was many. But we also see that Jesus had the power to cast out this unclean spirit. And we're going to see if we keep reading down in the uh, through the rest of the, the passage here, through verse 20, that Jesus does cast out this legion of demons, and they actually are sent into a herd of pigs nearby that uh, run off a cliff and drown in the sea. And we, you know, we can sit here and talk about how, you know, why would Jesus cast the demons out into the pigs, and what was the purpose of that? But the point is that Jesus had power over this legion of demons, and not only that, but they recognized who he was. All right, this is very early on in Jesus's ministry, and yet. This demon knew that he was the son of God. And so I think that's some very important things for us to think about as we continue on with this, with this discussion about demons is the fact that, yes, demons were very powerful. They would cause people to do things that they wouldn't normally do or wouldn't normally be able to do, uh, such as cutting yourself with stones or being able to break shackles in half. But also, as powerful as these demons were, Jesus had so much more power because he could cast out these demons just by saying so. And he could, and we also see that the demons had to ask pres, uh, permission 
and verse 12 to go into the pigs at all. Uh, Jesus didn't just let them go loose wherever they wanted to. They had to ask permission to go into these pigs. And so Jesus had so much more power over these demons, which should be a sign of comfort for us, no matter what we're dealing with, to remember that Jesus has the power. Jesus has more power than whatever we're facing. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- this is just one of the few stories in the Bible. And, you know, it's important to mention that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Isaiah, but I think we discussed this uh, in one of our prior planning meetings for this episode that, you know, there's no actually mention of the word demon uh, in Scripture. It's just, it, it talks Depends about on unclean, your translation. unclean spirit. Yeah. Um, for many translations, it, it, it refers to them as unclean spirit instead of demon. And so... Um, and so there are some other examples in Scripture, and we're not going to be able to get to all of them today. But this one is just one of uh, the few where Scripture shows the power of Jesus. It shows that he has the ability to cast out uh, demons. Um, and although um, demons can be something that can wreak havoc on our lives, we have a Savior who can uh, take away that havoc from our lives. And it's just an amazing reminder mm-hmm. for us. And it just proves how great of a God we serve. Um, another example we find is in Acts chapter 19. Mm-hmm. We, we see the, uh, an interesting story here about a group of men known as the sons of Sceva. Uh, if you look in Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, we see that Paul was in Ephesus. And when Paul was in Ephesus, God was working through Paul and performing lots of miracles, uh, healing people, casting out demons, those, those kinds of things. Uh, it says in verse 12 that even the handkerchiefs or the aprons that touched him were carried away to the sick or to the, those who had evil spirits, and they were healed. Uh, that's how much power Paul had, that the power would linger on this handkerchief, and if the sick got it, they would be healed. That's what Paul was able to do through God there. But we see in verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man uh, in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So again, we see here the incredible power that uh, this unclean spirit had with this man. He was able to, to not only defeat seven men by himself, but humiliate them. It wasn't even close. Um, but we also see here, I think, something very, very important that we'll get to later uh, in the episode, but only specific people could cast out demons. All right, These men tried to, and it failed. Why? Because they didn't have the right gifts, so to speak. They didn't have the Holy Spirit with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll get to that later in the episode. But as we read from Mark chapter 5, and as we've read from Acts chapter 19, these demons had incredible strength, we see other accounts in Scripture where they had powers of prophecy or divination. Um, but again, God had power over them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Scripture that talks about lukewarm Christians and mm-hmm. how like, every, we can proclaim God's name, but even the demons shudder at, G- at the name of Jesus Christ, and they know Jesus Christ. And James so, two, yeah. yeah. And so it shows that Demons knew who Jesus was, and they feared him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, like we saw in, in Acts, or excuse me, in Mark chapter five, right? The uh, 
the man with the legion of demons came down and he bowed in front of Jesus and he said, don't torment me, right? He knew the power that Jesus had and he, and he was terrified of it. Uh, and like you said, Brady, you know, even the demons believe and tremble as, as James chapter two says for us. But, uh, you know, it takes more than just belief to obey Jesus, right? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say, All right? The difference between people who fear God and, and believe in God versus demons is that people who fear God and believe in God are obeying God, right? Demons weren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they would, you know, obey Jesus if he told them to come out of a, a man, or right? If he cast them out of a, of a man. But they weren't really doing that by choice. Mm-hmm. They, they were forced to do that because, again, Jesus had so much power over them. But, you know, it's interesting when we look at demons in the Bible that we only see them for a limited time. Yeah. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, we see an account of Jesus casting out demons or a demon from a man. Uh, in Acts chapter, or excuse me, Acts. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it says, When he came to the other side of the country of the Gerardines, Two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? What are they talking about there? What do they mean, before the time? Well, it's possible that they were referring to when Jesus would be fully revealed as the Son of God. Or, uh, possibly, they were talking about the time when they would be returned to Satan and no longer allowed to go out and possess people and, and torment people. There's a couple different interpretations of that, but uh, the point is that there was a time for demons. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at demons in the Old Testament, we don't see demons mentioned at all unless we're looking at the idea of idol worship. Uh, one such instance of this is, Deut- is Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 17, where uh where God says they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods that they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. All right. So Jesus, or excuse me, uh, God here isn't talking about, you know, they were actually worshiping demons, but he's talking about these false idols, uh, oftentimes associated with sacrificing children. Uh, gods like Molech and other th- names like, like that, that we see in the Old Testament. Uh, we see another example of that in Second Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 15 for those who want to pause and, and go look at that scripture real quick. But so the, the idea is that we see no demons at all in the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden when we get to the Gospels, there's this massive spike in demon activity. You know, it's almost like if you're looking at a, at a, at a, a chart, right? Nothing, 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 nothing for all the Old Testament. And then boom, huge jump into the Gospels. Uh, We see the ESV uses the word demons 39 times in the Gospels. Um, And so those are in references to passages where Jesus encountered someone with demons or when he was healing someone with demons or or whatever the case may be. And then we see a very sharp decline. We see very few times in the book of Acts where demons are mentioned, especially in talking about uh, possessing someone. And then after Acts, we very rarely see the word demons pop up. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting to look at the time that demons were most active. And of course, that begs the question, you know, why were they 
most active during the time of, of Jesus, you know, was what, what was going on behind the scenes, so to speak, that allowed demons to possess people then that didn't allow them to do it in the Old Testament or after the book of Acts. It could have been that because we see Satan is trying to get Jesus from uh, doing God's will mm-hmm. and trying to take him off the path of uh, saving our sins. So maybe Satan decided maybe he needs some help to get the <laughs> Son of God to leave God. Right. If presentation <laughs> in the wilderness wasn't good enough, then yeah. <laughs> might as well throw in some other people. Yeah, got, got to try everything yeah. he could. Because yeah, so, he knew what Jesus was here for. He right. knew that uh-huh. as soon as Jesus rose from the dead that he had lost. Yeah. So he tried every like Brady said, he was going to try everything he could to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. Very good point, Brady. Go on. Yeah, and then, like, so maybe, like you just said, Satan needed that help. So he got demons to maybe pull other people away from mm-hmm. Christ to show maybe he isn't that powerful. But then we see Christ comes and takes the demons away. Mm-hmm. And speaking to that point, you know, in the Matthew uh, chapter 8 passage that we read about, you know, the, the, the men even questioned him. And they asked, what business do we have with each other? Son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? And so, you know, the, the, the whole purpose of Satan uh, and, and bringing out these demons and having these, people, or having these demons attack people was for people to doubt God and was for people to, you know, question God's ability. And so the fact that, uh, you know, we see in Scripture that Jesus was able to disprove Satan's uh, tactics and once again— as he did it in Matthew chapter 4, and he did it again in Matthew chapter uh, 8, we see him um, showing that he's greater than these demons, as we talked about earlier. So, we, we, yeah. And it's really interesting when we think about this point about you know, Satan trying to do everything that he could to stop Jesus. Um, and like you said, Walker, trying to maybe disprove Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. If Jesus couldn't cast out demons, then what, could he really be the Son of God? Right. right? But it actually worked in the opposite effect. Um, because Jesus was able to cast out demons, we could know that he was from God. Yeah. Right. Uh, we see a passage in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 32. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, Matthew records, As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said he cast out demons by the prince of demons. So what do we see here? Well, we see Jesus uh, is receiving this, this man who is demon-possessed, and because of that, he is no longer able to speak. And Jesus cast out the demon, and the man is now able to talk. And the crowd goes, whoa, I've never, been a- I've never seen anyone be able to do that. And so what I gained from this passage is knowing that this was something that had been happening, Right. At this point in time, people had been at least somewhat accustomed to demon possession, right? They, they were familiar with it. And no one had ever been able to cast out demons before. No one. Until Jesus. And he came along and he cast out demons and he was performing all these miracles. Why? To prove that he was the Son of God. To prove that he was the truth. To prove that he was who he said he was. And so the idea here is that, you know... Jesus was performing these miracles to prove that he was from God, to prove that he was speaking the truth. No one else could do that. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think maybe another reason why we see a huge spike in demon activity here in the Gospels is because God kind of loosened the chains, so to speak, on, on Satan and on his demons and allowed them to do a little bit more so Jesus could come in and prove that he was who he said he was. Yeah. Because, if, like I said, there had been no demon possession in the Old Testament because Jesus wasn't there. Yeah. We get to the Gospels. Jesus is there. God allows the demons to come out so Jesus can cast them out. So he can prove that he is the son of God so that people will listen to his teaching and repent of their sins and join the church and you know, become a member of Christ and be in, with him in heaven. Mm-hmm. God wants everyone to repent. That's why he allowed Satan to maybe have a little bit more power than Satan would normally have. And, and another reason why these demons existed was uh, that way people could, uh, true followers of Christ could really prove that they were, were followers of Christ and that they were people who God had deemed to, um, to be his uh, chosen uh, apostles or, uh, or chosen, you know, um, I guess leaders would be the word. I'm not really sure what word I'm looking for. But, you know, we see different people throughout Scripture, not only Jesus, uh, but we see different people and characters throughout Scripture who had the ability to cast out uh, demons and perform uh, certain miracles. Um, Jesus being one of them, as we talked about, and we've highlighted him time and time again throughout this episode because he's the main focus of our podcast, considering the topic of Through the Eyes of Jesus. But um, but we also... Nice plug. Yeah. But we also uh, see the Holy Spirit um, able to cast out demons and perform miracles throughout Scripture. We see the apostles who had some abilities in doing these things as well. Um, like Paul, we, we talked yeah. about in Acts chapter 19. And in 1 Corinthians 12, I think, uh, isn't he... Well, uh, it, the reason that we have 1 Corinthians 12 on our script is because uh, of the, the thing that you were going to get to here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you said, Jesus cast out demons, and then the Holy Spirit uh, uh, worked through the apostles and, and men like Paul to be able to cast out demons as well. And we see that some early Christians were given miraculous gifts as well by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see some early Christians with the gifts of prophecy. We see some early Christians with the gift of healing. Um, but when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is, of course, writing to the church of Corinth. And they're, they're struggling with this because some people have some gifts. Some people have other gifts. Some people don't have any miraculous gifts from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul writes to them here in, in chapter 12. And we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 11. Uh, and he writes to them to help them understand gifts that we can use to not only uh, that, that, that they could use to not only perform miracles, but to just build up the church. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse one, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. We're going to stop there for a second. Paul here, he says, you all have different gifts, different abilities, different services, but you're all still serving God, right? There's not a, a split in the church, or there shouldn't be, based on your spiritual gifts. Uh, picking up in verse 7, Paul says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, right? For the good of the church. For to the one who is given the Spirit of the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and another various kinds of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. All these were empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each in, each one individually as he wills. All right. So all three of us who are, who are talking today on the, on the show, and all four of us in the room, we have our own gifts, we have our own abilities, we have our own talents, and ways that we can use those for God. That's what Paul is saying here to the church of Corinth. But the reason that we wanted to bring this passage up is because at this point, it's interesting, Paul doesn't mention casting out demons. Uh, and so the conclusion that I've heard people reach, and the, and the one that makes sense to me, is that at that point, there were no more demons to cast out. Hmm. At, when Paul was writing this letter, if he was going to go on and talk about all the gifts of the Spirit, why would he not include casting out demons if that was yeah. still a problem? Right. And so, like, like you were saying, Walker, Jesus did it, and then the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles and worked through some early first century Christians to perform miraculous gifts. But we don't see a whole lot of people casting out demons after the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. In fact, we very rarely see the word demons pop up anymore. And so the idea here is that, you know, when we look at this, this, I, this topic of demons and we look at the question, well, do demons still exist? I think that the answer is no, but it kind of depends on how you use the word demons. That's true. Uh, and Brady, you phrased this really, really well before we were recording. If you want to uh, maybe recapture some of that magic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try. Uh, but today, like nowadays, we, we use demons as a metaphor for like anything that's bad going on in someone's life or anything that they've done. We say, oh, that's demon. There's demons there, mm -hmm. and it's a metaphor. We don't see it as a physical being, as in the scriptures. It was a physical person or per persons in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good way of looking at it. You know, we we we've got each one of us. We've got things that we struggle with. You know, and maybe something that you know one of us has gone through still continues to to plague us. Mm -hmm. Right, something that someone did to us or. Or whatever we, you know we can call those our demons mm -hmm. right uh, especially for those who have been through something very very difficult such as abuse or anything like that mm -hmm. uh, those that, that kind of thing sticks with someone mm -hmm. for a long long time so uh, but you know that, that we can call those kinds of things our demons but like Brady said it's it's a metaphor for the things that we're struggling with it's not that we're being possessed yeah. today and I think the reason that we're not possessed today is because we no longer have miraculous abilities to cast out these demons and we also had the Savior who came to this earth and who right. did away with those things. And right. after his death, I mean, he, we, we don't have to deal with this burden anymore of these demons and the, and the, and the plague that they cause. Mm -hmm. And we have a little bit of extra time here unless there's other things that y'all want to add at this point. But um, I'm, I was thinking about, you know, we talked a lot about Scripture and, and the things that we see in Scripture and examples of it. But we really didn't give any, like, practical things that we could take away for our listeners and so as i was as we were talking about in first corinthians 12 you may be asking the question well you know i don't have the power to perform or to perform miracles today or to cast out demons or to do these things so how can i play an effective role uh within the body of christ or within the the church today um because we don't have these demons anymore thanks to jesus and we uh we can't cast out 
these demons and we can't get rid of bad things that happen in our life because we know that they're going to happen. So what can I do in order to show that I'm a faithful follower of Christ to show that God has chosen me to be his child? And in, in, in the latter part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about how we were all given different gifts. And Isaiah alluded to this point earlier. We are all given different gifts, um, and we are, we're supposed to use these gifts to work together uh, to unify the body. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, it says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, uh, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made a drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And so... We see here that we, whenever we are uh, baptized into Christ, we become a part of this one body. We become a part of Christ himself. And, and Acts 2.38 tells us that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right, we receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then at that point, we're able to prove that you know we're a faithful follower of Christ. And then we can use our each individual gifts of, um, of, of showing people that we follow a great God. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to come in the same form to everyone. For example, Isaiah and I may say that our gift of, uh, of showing Jesus to others is through speaking or through podcasting or things like that. But Brady's gift may not be that way. It may be something else. Maybe he, his form is through uh, youth ministry and talking to youth and relating to young people and things like that. And, uh, or maybe it's through some other avenue. And so you may be someone who may not have the ability to get up and speak in front of a big old audience and, uh, and to talk to people about the gospel, which is, good, which is okay God didn't. God created us uniquely because of that sole purpose, and so you have another ability in your life that you can use to show people Jesus, to show people that you are a follower of Him. You know, and it's interesting when we think about this that you know when we think of gifts of the Holy Spirit, we tend to think of these big miraculous things like right. prophecy, like tongues, things that we don't see anymore because we have the scriptures. We don't. We don't need those gifts anymore. But you know. When we, when we say, well, you know, the only thing that the Holy Spirit can give us is miraculous gifts, and if we, since we have the Bible, we don't need that anymore, so the Holy Spirit is useless. That's not what we're saying at all. Uh, the Holy Spirit still plays a very, very big part. He's still very active today, and he still gives us a lot of gifts. They we may have not... an episode coming up about that in yes. season four. We have a two-parter <laughs> with Lance Mosier about the Holy Spirit and miracles, uh, which is very, very good. We actually have that one already recorded. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. They're going to be very, very good. But just to, to touch on this point now while we're talking about it, you know, the Holy Spirit still gives us gifts today. They just may not be miraculous gifts. Right. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, Paul starts to speak on this. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So don't get too big for your britches, right? <laughs> Verse 4. That's one way to put it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the Isaiah Leininger standard version. Yeah. Uh, coming to storage near you soon. Uh, Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. He picks up the same analogy that he uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Mm-hmm. He says in verse 5, So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, right? So we're all members of Christ's body. We all have different functions, different roles to play. And Paul says that we have gifts that differ, verse 6, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, 
If service, then insert in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He goes on and says, uh, let love be genuine. Uh, love, one, uh, love one another with brotherly affection. He says, do not be slothful, but be fervent. He says, rejoice in hope. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Bless those who persecute you. And he goes on throughout chapter 12. All of those things are gifts of the Spirit, right? You can be someone who just gives out of the abundance of your heart. That's a gift. Yeah. You can be someone who's a good leader. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You can be someone who's able to teach. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Someone who is an encourager, like Barnabas, and in, in in those stories of, of uh, Acts and the, and the missionary trips that Paul took. Uh, you could be a servant. You can be you know, someone who helps people, who shows mercy. Those are gifts of the Spirit, too. And so Paul's commanding us and encouraging us to use those gifts of the Spirit to the work of the church mm-hmm. because we have them. Yeah. And it would be a waste to not to use them. Henderson had a theme last year, the congregation near free, uh, of sharing life and changing lives. And whenever we practice these things and whenever we uh, live out these things, we're sharing the life of Jesus and we're changing lives in the process. And just the way that you live your life can impact so many lives around you. And so, uh, and so living out your gift, living out what God has given you and showing God that you're not ashamed to, uh, to live out the personality and the lifestyle that he's given you, given you is truly a blessing. And it can be uh, to those you come in contact with and, uh, and to even complete strangers. Um, any other things y'all want to add? Yeah. Uh, so I want to use some me- uh, the metaphor of casting out demons uh, for now, like nowadays. And we've talked about how demons are what we struggle with and all that. And I relate that nowadays to uh, counseling. Like mm-hmm. my mom's a counselor. She deals with crazy things, right. abuse, all these different things that people go through. And just talking to someone like just listening to them talk it's sort of our way of saying we can help cast out demons yeah. and uh, in person I use air quotes <laughs> but <laughs> because it's it's our way to use our skills to help people get through their struggles right. and another way is at Freed here in Chi Beta, we do a thing called prayer group where us guys will get together and we'll talk about things we struggle with. And that's sort of our way as Christians, as men of God, to really help each other. Like in close quarters, we don't talk about what we uh, struggle with out of that room, but it's a way for us to help each other cast out demons, cast out what we're struggling with. And, and isn't that the whole purpose of the church today? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's to use the one body that we just talked about to lean on each other. Um, because if one member of the body is not functioning correctly, you, you have to think of it if, like your body. If, you're, if one part of your body is not functioning correctly, you're going to know something's off. And you're definitely going to feel it within you. If your heart stops working, you're going to know. Uh, if you stop breathing, you're going to know. And so those are, those are key indicators that that show, hey, there's something up, uh, this, this part needs help. And so if we think of the church as the body, as scripture talks about it, if one of our members is struggling, if one of the people within our congregation is going through a difficult time, 
They need someone there to lean on. And we often say, you know, lean on Jesus. But oftentimes we also have to help our brothers and sisters in Christ and lean on we, each we other. We need to be the hands and the feet of Christ right. to help those who are in need. Yeah. And so, and so alluding to Brady's point, you know, not only should, you know, just guys or girls come together and share uh, what they're struggling with with each other. We should do it collectively mm-hmm. as a whole body um, and have the ability to come together and, and public spaces such as uh, church and to just share what we're struggling with. Um, oftentimes people are afraid to respond at the front whenever an invitation is offered because they're afraid of judgment or they're afraid of what people might think if they go forward and ask for certain things. And, you know, and, and it's an understandable factor that uh, going in front of a large crowd of people and saying some things that you, you probably are not happy about talking about, um, it, it can be very difficult. But we also need to know that we're all imperfect people striving to serve a perfect God. And so we're going to mess up we're going to fall short um but we all have things that we have to share and we all have things that we need to talk to people about so we can so we can move forward in life and to um and to not let those demons hold us back from serving god uh, and i'm using demons in the metaphor sense holding back uh, not letting the bad things in life hold us back from um, serving god to our fullest potential yeah paul talks about this point a little bit the idea of being there for your brothers and sisters in Christ he talks yeah. about that at the beginning of Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Uh, he he says there that we need to uh, let me actually turn there and read it instead of trying to remember it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, and verse three, Paul says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. What is Paul saying there? Well, he's saying when you're going through something, God's going to be there and he's going to comfort you, right? And then... Once you've gotten past that situation, you're able to use the comfort that God gave you to comfort other people. And I think really the the idea here is that we need to be the people that are comforting other people when they're in need. Because, like I said earlier, we need to be the hands and the feet of Christ. You know, sometimes we kind of just expect God to to hand us things or to to, to drop it to us directly. Mm-hmm. Um but oftentimes, God will work through the people in our lives to bring us what we need. Uh, there's, an, there's an old preacher story, and we may have told it a few times on this podcast, but uh, there was a guy trapped on his roof during a hurricane. It had flooded. Uh, the guys know exactly what story I'm telling. Uh, but he was, he was trapped on his roof. Uh, of course, it's a preacher story. Why yeah, wouldn't yeah. It? Of course, of course. Uh, but he's trapped on his roof. It's, it's flooded, and he can't get off. And a boat comes by, and they say, jump in, and we'll save you. He says, no, I'm, I'm waiting on God to save me. So they drive off and another boat comes by and the same thing happens. No, I'm, I'm waiting on God to save me. And then a helicopter comes in. He says, no, 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 I'm waiting on God to save me. And then he gets to heaven. And he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want from me? <laughs> right? And it's, and it's a somewhat amusing story. But, you know, the idea, again, is that we kind of expect God to just hand deliver things to us or, you know, to rescue us in some miraculous fashion when oftentimes it's the people that he's put around us in our lives through divine providence yeah. that are going to help us. 
Wow, what an amazing episode this has been, and just taking this topic that you know we may we may have not thought in the beginning as a controversial topic, and looking at it uh, in a way that maybe you have a different perspective on demons now, or maybe your perspective on demons is a little clarified in a sense, and you and you have a better understanding of what what they played in scripture, what role they played, and what role um, they play in our lives today. Um, and although we know that they don't exist in the physical form in our lives today, we know that we may call certain things that happen in our life uh, things to be quote-unquote demon-possessed, um, but we know that it's truly not a, a true demon uh, act, acting in the lives of us today. And so um, we're thankful for Jesus and the, abil- and the things that he's provided um, and the, and the uh, blessing that we have that we don't have to deal with these demons anymore. And that we can turn to him and to give our problems and to give our uh, troubles and cares to him. Um, And it's also a blessing that we have each other to rely on and to uh, bring each other uh, through difficult times in life. And so uh, we don't need to always uh, keep the stuff inside of us. We need to let it out and to talk to people about these issues, talk to people about these problems. And uh, let people know that we're there for them and let people know that... We'll talk with them and that we'll listen and be that listening ear. Is there anything else we want to add before we close out the episode, guys? Uh, I think the only thing we want to say is, again, you know, we're very thankful for you, the audience. Uh, like we said, this is the last episode of season three. And technically, we've done four seasons if we count the special guest, epi- uh, special guest episodes. Um, but we are so, so thankful for all the support that we've been given from you guys uh, Walker, I believe we just recently hit a thousand unique listeners, didn't we? A thousand eighty-five. Thousand eighty-five. Awesome. So we are so thankful for each and every one of those people who have who have taken the time out of their lives to to listen to to us talk about God's word. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for the support that we got from you yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, and we're very very thankful for that. But you know, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about in today's episode or in this season or in anything else that we've talked about, or even something that we haven't gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. We would love to be able to talk with you and, and look at what the scriptures have to say about whatever your question is. Uh, there's tons of different ways that you can get in contact with us. We have a Facebook page, uh, Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. We have an Instagram page and a Twitter under the same handle, uh, TTEOJ underscore podcast. We also have an email, info at TTEOJ.com. And we also have a phone number that Isaiah pointed at me at because this is the only thing I do during the show. Uh, and the phone number is 731-439-9671. Uh, if you text that number, you can text it or call it. But if you text it, um, please make sure you're specifying that you're talking about the podcast and that uh, you provide your uh, name and a good contact number to get back with you with. Um, and that way we can handle that accordingly. Um, and, yeah. And so, uh, what a blessing this episode has been. I forgot I'm doing the closing prayer, so <laughs> that's why there's that awkward pause there for a second. Um, but let's pray together as we close out this episode. Father, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the blessings that you give us and the, and the scripture that you give us and the word that you provide for us. Um, it, it's such a blessing to our life, and we can use it in so many ways. And there's so many things that we can learn from your word. And one of those things is the, the role that demons played in the lives of, uh, of the people during biblical times. Um, and we, we see today that, uh, that the demons during this time was used to prove the power of Jesus because he was able to cast out demons, to prove to those who may have doubted him, to prove to those who may have thought that he wasn't the true God. 
uh, he proved them wrong, and he and he does that time and time again, not only just through demon possession, but through many other ways in life. And it's just another example to show that you're greater than everything in our life, and that you have the power to do whatever you please, and you have the power to control our lives and however you deem uh, is necessary. And we're so thankful that you uh, give us the life that we have in order to glorify you, to serve you, and to uh, ultimately give you all the glory and honor and praise in the end. Father, I'm so thankful for the people who join me today on this podcast, Isaiah and Brady, uh, and the roles that they play in your kingdom. Continue to strengthen them and give them encouragement and to give them uh, the ability to keep on going and not to give up on the good fight. We know who's victorious in the end, and it's you, Father, and we can't wait to spend eternity with you in heaven if we are found faithful to you. Strengthen us and guide us in whatever uh, ways you can. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.